0: Banded together by a mutual yearning for the more simplistic
1: times and random fun of the comic books of yesteryear, Alec Berry and Scott Gardner now travel back, back to the bins.
0: Hello and welcome back to Back to the Bins. This is episode 16 and I am Scott Gardner.
1: I am Bob Dylan.
0: How's it going, Bob?
1: All right, man. That
0: was my yeah. shit, Bob Dylan impression right there. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much.
1: Everybody just fucking like gave. They just had this like really awkward expression on their face after they just heard that. They're like, "What the hell was that?"
0: What was that shit?
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Hey, I never said I can do good impressions. I can just do impressions. But anyway, I can't,
1: I can't do impressions either, so that's why I don't try them. I just, you know, let that leave that to the professionals, I guess.
0: Well, I was brought in for comedy relief, so there you go. There's your comedy for the episode.
1: So anyway, we're- Eric Peterson's like, "Why don't you just kill this guy off?" <laughs> he's waiting for it, man.
0: I know he's 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 trying. I think he wants to replace me, is what it is.
1: I think it is.
0: Bastard. <laughs> He's not content to be on every other podcast that's out there right now. He's got to horn in on this one, too. I know, man. Oh, I'm telling you. Well, anyway, we're talking about funny books today, and you get to start.
1: Of course I do. All right. This, this issue that I'm talking about this week is an awesome, awesome comic that I read. Uh, it is Marvel Presents Guardians of the Galaxy, number three. Uh, cover price, 25 cents, and it is February 1975, is the date that this was released. Written by Steve Gerber, art by Al Milgram, with inks by Pablo Marcus. Uh, I don't really have much history with the Guardians of the Galaxy, all I know is that the current series gets a lot of praise, so I kind of went into this not knowing the characters at all, uh, not really knowing what to expect for the world, but, uh... Here we go, I guess. Uh, pick up and it is the year three thousand and fifteen. Uh we're kind of on this almost apocalyptic earth where this um race of uh aliens have come and kind of you know, worked to take over the planet called, known as the Badoon, the Brotherhood of Badoon. And uh, when we first, you know, pop in, the first page is this great just, like, outer space, you know. You're zooming in onto the cosmos, and then you come right down onto the earth, and it's just awesome. And then you flip the page, and you're hit with this two-page spread of just the Guardians of the Galaxy and this sort of, like, human resistance fighting the Badoon. And uh it's just great, you know, got some great narration over it, and it just sets the story up so well. And uh artwork is just awesome on that page. Um, you know, as the fight roars on, you kind of get an in-depth look at each character, the first one being Major Vance Astro, as he fights a uh, Badoon agent, you know, knocking him out with his gun, you kind of look, get a look at his powers and, you know, uh, what he, you know, thinks of the current situation. You move on to the next guy, he's a strong man, he's actually a human, uh, his just name is just Charlie, uh, which is probably the most normal name you will come across in this book. And you're gonna see me butchering a lot of names during this review. <laughs> just, uh, just a warning. Uh, the next character we come across is, um Ayaka Arrow. Uh, a really kind of interesting looking guy. He's got like a fin on his head and he's dressed up in like a red and uh, blue suit. He's, he's an archer. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then you got the last guy, uh, for now is known as Martin X, And he is sneaking into the Spadoon headquarter and taking out the, uh, the lead guy uh known as um cord uh, the lead the lead badoon so he basically he just goes in and fires him up with his laser finger which is just kind of a weird power but uh f- kills him and that's that uh he walks out of the headquarters and onto the streets where you know the human resistance and the guardians of the galaxy are celebrating that uh the war is over and the earth is free and uh now it's kind of you know the humans are kind of you know Alright, we get these, we got these Badoon guys wrangled up, let's, let's kill them, let's get our revenge, and let's, uh, let's give them some punishment and show them what humanity is all about. And that's where we get the last member of the Guardians of the Galaxy coming in, known as Starhawk. And um even to his teammates, Starhawk is a very mysterious, you know, uh, you know, gentleman, he's not really, his, his motives aren't really well known, he doesn't really speak a lot. And, uh, there's just this great panel where, he flies up into the atmosphere and out into the space, you know, he's just, he's, uh, he's in Earth's orbit and there's all the Badoon spaceships and, you know, all their, uh, command and everything, and they're flying around. He's just, you know, hovering there looking out at all of them. And, uh, you know, he's talking about humanity and, uh, their, ruth- their ruthlessness and willingness to go back to, um, savage ways. And, uh, you know, they their craving for revenge in the Badoon race is really not the right direction they want to take. Uh, this, basically this new world order after this great war. It's only going to lead to more tragedy in the end. So he goes up to space to kind of call on for some help. Which turns out to be, this, this is almost kind of comical in a way. As, uh, it turns out the Badoon, uh, the Badoons that attacked Earth were only male. <laughs> and guess, uh, Starhawk actually brings down to serve punishment, he brings down their wives. <laughs> and I just thought this was great. <laughs> He brings down their wives to punish them, rather than the humans slaughtering the Badoons. And, uh, you know, the humans aren't all up for this, they want their revenge, they want to kill the remaining aliens, and, uh, you know, all kinds of, suddenly you just get this great moment of chaos where they, you know, they start fighting again, just after this war has ended, it basically just picks up again. And Starhawk is talking to the female Badoons, and, you know, he's basically had it, and he's kind of getting the Guardians on their side, and, you know, he's... He's basically giving, you know, this is the idea. We can't let these people kill. It's not. It's, it's not good for this new world order to start out this way. And Starhawk just, just he's he's had it. He just shoots up this big signal flare of energy into the sky, and people just start freaking out, and they calm all of a sudden, and they kind of get the idea. And then, you know, the, the male Badoons are off on the spaceships to be dealt with by their wives, and uh, from there, you just you get this one great page where. It explains the process of, you know, the male Badoons leaving planet Earth and, you know, people uh, getting back to their ways and rebuilding society. And it's not even a comic page. It's just this, you got one large image, and on the side you just have prose. And uh, I've never really, like, I've seen this in comics before, but never really in older comics. And uh, it's just, it, it. the prose section is really well written. Uh, I just... I was really impressed with that and the art piece of it is awesome as well it's just these floating heads and you've got the Badoon race marching into the spaceship and you've got savages like the human savages and all this and it's really really cool uh you pick up a few months down the line when Earth is kind of it's you know being rebuilt in the process and uh Erica Arrow is uh he's kinda out in the uh, wilderness, kinda just, you know, meditating and all of a sudden he's attacked from behind by a human savage who really still doesn't trust uh any form of alien race. And uh, you know, Arrow is kind of he's disgruntled by this, you know, hey we helped you free the earth and now you attack us, this is how you treat us. Uh we go to Martin next. He's out in a uh like a bunker almost where all of uh human humanity's information and technology and, you know, knowledge was basically stored as kind of like a great library. Uh they call it the technical library. And uh you know, he's out there kind of trying to salvage it with another scholar and you know, they wanna somehow try to it's gonna help rebuild the new society. They need this information. And they're kind of uh you know, they're, they're grieving over the destruction of this place and they're wondering, you know, what are they gonna do now? How's humanity going to survive? And there's great, there's this great moment where the scholar is almost, um. he goes out to put a hand on the shoulder of Martin X, but then he realizes that he's this alien form and he kinda withdraws his hand and Martin X realizes it, you know, why do you fear me, Earthman? You know, I'm your friend, I helped you free the, you know, I helped you free Earth and the scholar just kinda walks away. And, and then we come to the next scene with Charlie where he's um, he's helping just – he's on a construction site helping build a, a, build a, a building. And, uh, you know, he's being basically used as like a workhorse to just haul around these heavy uh, iron steel girders. And, you know, his boss is kind of just mouthing him and yelling. And he, Charlie basically just loses it and can't take it and kind of like – uh he basically tells off his boss and he takes a steel girder and bends it around his boss and basically ties him up in it and just walks off. Uh, you, know, you just get these moments of where, you know, all of these characters are, uh, you know, they're just, they're seeing how, you know, they basically gave, risked their lives to save Earth and how humanity is basically treating them, you know. They're not, uh, they're not respecting them whatsoever. So, all of a sudden, all these characters are like, they, there's these beams are shot down at them They teleport them back up into the Guardian's, uh, ship. Where, you know, Starhawk is at and basically says, you know, uh, if this is the way humanity wishes to uh hold itself, it wants to be kind of a savage race, then let it be. We don't need to be here. And then from there, they kind of just take off to kind of, you know, do their own thing out in the galaxy and uh be the protectors. And uh I just... I thought this was really, really well-written. Almost to the level that... I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I thought it was just... This should be taken seriously, I think. Like, we do this show for fun, and fun kind of zany comics, mm-hmm. but this was like, this thing had themes running through it. This thing, the way it was written, the narration, the prose piece, it was, it was all so very well written, characters were very strong, that, th- you know, the situation, uh, I thought it was just, you know, when I always think of old back-issue comics from, like, the 70s and the 80s, I always think of sort of, like, campy, one-and-done uh superhero tales, which I don't have a problem with. I think they're fun, but this thing was very, like, it was... I don't know. It was... I thought it was just a great use of the medium, in a way. I thought it was just... I, I really thought it was just an art. I, I thought it was art, you know, this issue. It was... I just thought it was excellent, uh, I, to the point where it's just, it's hard for me to describe, uh, how much I really enjoyed it and the feeling that I got to, for this issue. Uh, just, just really, really cool. Uh, the artwork also was amazing as well. Uh, just, you know, from the beginning with the great cover, uh, it's just the Guardians of the Galaxy running out of the cosmos towards you. And you know, you got all the planets in the background. And just, you know, Again, every page, you know, the panel layouts are great. They're dynamic for the action scenes. Uh, you know, the backgrounds, all the machines and stuff in the backgrounds. Uh, just really, really cool. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a bad thing to say about this issue. Uh, you know, there's a lot of words in it, but it wasn't at any moment boring to read. It was all very useful. I thought it all fleshed out the, the story and the characters and everything, and I just thought it was a really, like, I, even, I, I don't, I think this was just a great science fiction tale, uh, more than just a superhero tale. I thought it was a, I thought it was an excellent science fiction tale. I don't know, I definitely have to get more issues of this old school Guardians of the Galaxy, or, you know, if there's essential or something, I have to find them because this stuff's excellent. Just really, really enjoyed it.
0: That sounds interesting. I really haven't had a whole lot of history with uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I've read a few of their appearances here and there, mostly in uh, in the Avengers, you know, because they were part of the uh, that Korvac saga in Avengers, you know, which is one of the more uh, lauded, you know, runs of or, or you know storylines in the uh, in the Avengers where they fought this guy called Korvac who had some sort of history with. Uh, the guardians of the galaxy and you know most of those issues were uh, were illustrated by uh by George Perez so that's some really good stuff there but beyond that you know I don't think I've ever read them in any other solo stories or solo titles I think I've only ever just caught them when they were popping up in in some other book uh, you know they had appearances in uh like marvel 2 and 1 and stuff like that but uh I always thought the characters were interesting you know the the characters that make up the team just somehow just never got around to checking them out in their in any of their own titles or their own series or anything but i'd like to they sound interesting
1: yeah definitely You definitely need, if you ever come across any of this old stuff you need to pick it up and read it because again i just think it's great comics work uh just really impressed with it i really caught off guard to be honest uh just really really good i i can't describe it any other way i just thought it was awesome
0: well, hey, not uh, not all old comics equate to you know being being goofy or silly or or you know written down for the kids or anything like that. There's there's a lot of older stuff out there that still, you know, can hold its own with you know the the heaviest and gritty as to what's coming out today or whatever. There's yeah. there's some solid older stuff. It's not all goofy.
1: <laughs> all right, Scott, what do you got for this week?
0: Well, speaking of goofy. Uh-oh. I got goofy for you, but it's good goofy. It's, uh, let's see here. We are going back to December 1994 for this one. This is The Deadly Duo number two by Image Comics.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I know this.
0: <laughs> Cover and uh, interior art on this one by Andy Smith and Randy Elliott who are super-channeling Bart Sears in this. But, uh, you know, Bart Sears normally, to me, is kind of hit and miss. But this is actually taking Bart Sears and, you know, not only making it look really, really good, but also, you know, giving it their, their own spin, their own interpretation of it. A lot of it, I think, has to do with, uh, with the color on this. It's really fantastic. It's just beautifully colored. Um written by uh by Eric Larson. Yep. And uh original cover price on this was two dollars and fifty cents. And you know, I was vaguely aware of these guys, the the characters. The deadly duo is Kill Cat and alright, the other guy this aggravate this was my sole aggravation with this issue is you go this entire story and they never say his partner's name. <laughs> I actually had to go to like the letters page and stuff to find out what his name was. I could not remember. It's Kid Avenger, but yeah. it's never stated in the story itself. So, I mean, if this was your first issue in your sole exposure, you wouldn't even know who the two guys are that make up the Deadly Duo. So I thought that was a little bit silly, but anyway start right off and there's a, a great splash page where the Kid Avenger is going, No, no, it can't be which I always like when stories start or end that way, you know, where where somebody's having a, a startled reaction but you don't know what it's to. Well anyway, his startled reaction is the fact that Killcat apparently has just told him what year it is, that it's nineteen ninety four. And this poor guy, this Kid Avenger apparently comes from, like, thousands and thousands of years in the future where the Earth is just totally shit, you know? It's just a miserable place to live, and, you know, there's pollution everywhere, and it's it's just, you know, society just sucks. So somehow or other, he got access to a time machine, and he he was just a total, in you know, in his own time period, was a total nut and a total freak for the 1970s. So he... Just absorbed everything he could about the 70s, you know, all about the culture and what was on TV and the music and everything. Got this time machine, traveled back, but wound up in 1994 instead of 1974. And he's just, he's so distraught because he realizes that all of his knowledge and all this, you know, information he has doesn't mean anything because most people in the time that he's wound up in. Pretty much despise the 1970s, so you know no matter how you slice it, this guy is you know a, a man out of time, and it's just really done very well because he just grates on Killcat, who can't stand all the all the 70s stuff that that this guy holds is so sacred and everything. But you know the guy was so ill prepared for anything else that you know all his other information is useless. He doesn't know who the president is. He's just completely out of touch. So uh, you know the the rest of the, the issue is really tied up with this guy trying to just acclimate to the time that he's found himself in. There's a great scene where you know he uh, he's talking to Killcat while Killcat's in his bathroom shaving. And Kid Avenger spies a toilet. And, he, you know, he's like, oh, wow, I saw one of these in a movie once. You throw up into it, right? And, you know, so trying to explain to him what the toilet's actually for. And the guy's like, well, we, we don't do that where I come from. You know, in the future, food is so efficient that, you know, there's no need to go to the bathroom. And Killcab's Kill just got this great look on his face where he's like, well, you know, you, you'll learn because there ain't no such food in this time period, kid. <laughs> so it's great, you know. He, uh, you know, Killcat goes to work and he sends Kid Avenger out, you know, in, in normal street clothes to just kind of learn about the world and everything. And, uh, you know, he winds up at this, uh, you know, restaurant called Big Buns where we see him, he just, he's like eating himself crazy. You know, he's eaten all, you know, he's discovered, uh. He's discovered food, basically, because in his own time, I guess, they ate, like, protein pills or whatever. See, he's eating, like, all these greasy burgers and fries and just downing just all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, it hits him. (laughs) He's got to go to the bathroom. So it's hilarious. You know, he's in there doing that when uh, earlier in the story... The um, the annihilators were accidentally released from this limbo that they had been sent to way back in Savage Dragon number six, and uh, these guys are great. You know, it's just this big team of just really weird and wacky supervillains, basically. But the the chief among them is this guy called Dung, who is just he's fucking gross and disgusting, but he's hilarious. He's a guy that wears a suit that can. Like, teleport and, and, ex, you know, just like explosively expel shit. Hmm. I mean, literally, that's his superpower is that he, you know, he can, uh, he has like this endless supply of interdimensional shit that he calls upon. So they're busting up the, the restaurant where Kid Avenger was eating. And Kid Avenger doesn't even, you know, he's so out of touch with, with, our time that he doesn't even realize these guys are super villains or whatever. He just thinks they're a bunch of rude people. So he leaves, and as he's leaving, he sees Killcat running into the place. And Killcat's like, you know, or he asks Killcat where he's going, and he's like, well, you know, these bad guys took over this restaurant. And he's like, oh, really? Well, I was just there. And He's like, well, why didn't you do anything about it? And he's like, well, I, you know, I didn't know. He goes, I thought they were normal guys. I don't know what '90s fashion looks like. <laughs> it's just hysterical. They. So they go back in, and by the time they get there, um, this big guy that I actually had to look up because I didn't really know who he was. He's uh, Maul from the Wildcats. Yeah. He's in there already taking care of the situation. So by the time Kid Avenger and Wildcat, or, uh, Killcat rather wind up back there, they wind up there just in time for Dung to spray uh, Killcat with a face full of shit. <laughs> so they really don't help at all. And uh and Maul takes care of these guys all by himself. See at the end of it, Killcat, you know, he's standing talking to Maul and Maul's like huge. He's like three feet taller than the guy and built like a like a you know, like a truck. He's just enormous. And Killcat's like, Yeah, so uh, you know, why don't you join us? You know, we could become the uh the terrific trio or the thrilling three or whatever and and Maul looks at him, and, you know, he's literally got, like, shit dripping off of him. <laughs> and Maul's just like, nah. And he walks away, and that's pretty much how the issue ends. And wow. I loved it. I thought it was just hysterical. It was so much fun that these guys are just kill cats like a psychotic Batman, almost. Yeah, and Kid Avengers just a totally clueless Robin, and it was, that was pretty much the dynamic that the two of them had, and it was just a lot of fun, but, you know, this, this big villain that just, you know, shoots shit at people, how funny is that? <laughs> I mean, it's gross, but it's cool, you know, I got the biggest kick out of it, so, you know, I had seen these guys before in one or two of their appearances in, in Savage Dragon, and I thought I had heard that they had a, uh, you know, a yeah. series of their own at one time. So, you know, when I ran across this, I had to snap it up. And now I'm anxious to read the other issues because if they're half as funny as this, then they've got to be hysterical. Because this was just, it, you know, it didn't take itself seriously at all. And, uh, you know, it was really uh, Eric Larson did a great job with yeah. with the, just the comedic timing and everything. He's got he's got a knack for that stuff. Oh yeah, know? that's yeah. the stuff.
1: Uh, like that's the stuff he's really good at writing. I think. Yeah. The, yeah. Just kind of like the obscene comedy. (laughs) Just you know, it's just it's it's almost it's so disgusting that it's fucking hilarious. Yeah,
0: Yeah, this was it was it was absolutely hysterical. It was you know because that's one of the things that you know Savage Dragon has a lot of good humor in it, but you know it also it takes itself semi seriously and there's always you know superhero fights and all. There was none of that in this. This was just straight comedy and I really enjoyed it. It really got you know it gave Larson really a, a chance to show that. You know that the that the comedic things in Savage Dragon aren't just little, you know, things here and there. That that he really is a master of it, and that he could do a whole book in that style. And that's pretty much what this was. And I, it was just really fun. So I highly recommend uh, you know checking this out if you can if you can uh, find it. It's I enjoyed. Image
1: buy it. It was buy it, people. It
0: was everything that Chassis wasn't. <laughs> it was good.
1: That should have been on the cover or something.
0: Oh, yeah, they should have have had that on there as as the selling blurb.
1: (laughs) Of course, it happened, like, three years before Chassis. But hey, (laughs) it's all right. right. So what we did, did, we did one funny off-the-cuff one, and then I did, like, kind of a serious one. That works.
0: That's a good balance.
1: That's a good balance. Yin and yang, I like it. That wraps up another episode of Back to the Bins. If you want to contact the show, you can email at backtothebins at gmail.com. Please join us again next time, and we will travel back, back to the bins.